I don't know about you, when I'm looking for a plumber, I like to read my reviews. HomeAdvisor.com gave me some reviews on our sponsor, Art of Plumbing. Called them. They arrived on time. Immediately found the plumbing issue and fixed it right the first time. I called them last year and it was great. I called them again this year because I had a problem again. They came out, they fixed the problem. They even gave me solutions to help stop the problem in the future at 541-9405. change with broken strings and worn out souls. Hues of gold and some with wings. Some are old, some under soul. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. Of course, you know I'm your host, Neil Matthews. I am so excited to sit with this young lady today. It is such a pleasure to talk with her. She is doing so much amazing stuff. So let me just give you a little description of her right now. She's a waymaker. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're going to get to that momentarily. Hold your, put a pin in it, as my mom would say. She's vulnerable. She's an innovator. She's wild. She's a storyteller. She's also an encourager. Help me welcome him and our guest, Christy. Christy, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have you. I know you were on Happiness and Progress back in December, and, and, and we'll talk about that too a little bit because uh, I know those two worlds colliding. We had Daniel Craig on, and it was a lot of fun back in December. But but now we'll talk about you. So, but before we get into too much, I want to ask you this opening question. What size shoes do you wear? I am a 10 and a half. Okay. And is there a certain style or brand that you like more than another? Uh, I'm either in flip-flops or high wedges. Great. So we're either wearing high wedges or flip-flops today. I'm not sure how I feel about that. but Or sneakers if I'm running. I like sneakers. We could go sneakers. Okay. What what kind okay. of sneakers That's... do you... Because I'm a runner myself, too. What what kind of sneakers do you like to wear? Um, I think mine are Nike. Okay. That's all right. Nikes are good. <laughs> Some people like the, the Pegasus style. Pegasus 36 is a good model to check out. So no... Uh, I'll Nike. have to... I'll have to check those out. No Nike sponsorship yet, but we're working hard towards that. So (laughs) here's our opening question, and I wanted to ask you this. What comes to mind when you hear this quote? And that's this. I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. Hmm. Wow. Um, power. I feel like so many of us, we have so much power. Our feathers are bright. Um, I know I did. And then when we start to understand the power we have and walk in that power, it is just bursting with colors and energy and all things bright. And we're not meant to be caged. We're, we're meant to um, pour that out to the world and help others gain their power. Yeah, because your situation is probably not like a lot of folks, right? I mean, you've uh, you've openly admitted this. You openly talk about this. This isn't like a secret to you know no. to, to to anyone. You spent some time in prison, and so uh, not that I'm trying to make light of your situation or or say your situation you know in in any way glorify your situation of being in prison by no means but when i when i came across that quote and again it's one of my favorite quotes i thought to myself i wonder if she feels this way that at times she felt like this caged bird and then once she came out of prison now she can really fully extend her her feathers her colors her you know everything and really kind of show the world really who she is and who she wants to be. Yeah. You know, that's, it's really interesting that you're saying all this now, because that is exactly to the T how I'm feeling. And, um, you know, it's a process, but I, I feel that even before I was in prison in a, in an actual cage prison for four years, I, I felt that way prior to that and didn't even really know it, you know, the self-imposed prison of addiction or, 
shame and um, dimming your light, that stuff. And then now that um, I did a lot of work on myself and uh, really poured deeply into me that when I'm done, that now that I'm out of prison and particularly um, speaking my truth, like you said, not hiding the facts of my mistakes. That is, that's where I'm able to fly and uh, not feel caged at all, which is an amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah, I would imagine it is. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious as we kind of dive into this, this whole idea of empathy and, and understanding people and which obviously resonates with us, right? Cause that's the whole premise of our show is trying to yeah. get in someone else's shoes, someone else's perspective, someone else's understanding. So I'm curious it, how you feel about this, or, or maybe you could help us out with this. Cause it sounds like you kind of have a, a little bit of a knowledge base. So we're going to kind of lean into that if we can. And that's this idea of what are some practical steps that people can do in this time, especially I know COVID-19 is still running rampant, still doing its thing, but what are some practical steps people can do to still have empathy in this time and in, in, in day that we're in? Uh, well, I, I think the, um, one of the keys to that is curiosity is to kind of get out of yourself and be curious about other people. Um, maybe curious about your neighbor maybe uh, make some brownies and um, put them in a little packet and then knock on the door and put it on their front door, you know, um, or people that, that you don't know. And it, and, or maybe people you've judged. Those are the ones that I would go to first because the curiosity um, makes it so that you can learn from somebody and see how they do their life in an open mind way so that, you can um, kind of walk in their shoes and just see what they're about without judgment. So it's really curiosity without judgment. Yeah, I, I really like that because, I again, I think so many times right now, especially, right, we have, and, and again, this is where I'm going to get a little maybe soapboxy, so... <laughs> It's my show. I can be so boxy, I guess, right? But, yep. but, but my whole thought is, is that think about our society before COVID-19. We were looking down yeah. at our phones. We were wrapped up in our kids' sports. We were locked into all of our other little activities that kept us so busy and so bogged down. And now we kind of have to get creative on how we meet with people. We have to get creative on how we, you know, show love and show compassion to somebody without you know, invading their social distance, which is not a word right. we ever used before now, you know, and right. it's funny to me going to the bank or going to the grocery store or going to the places that, you know, I never really even thought about, but how close I would get to people, how much I would right. probably invade their space without even knowing it. And now it's like, Oh wow. I, I, I you're really close to me. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. You know? And <laughs> yeah. so, so to me, this thing has really kind of taken everything that we thought we that was important to us, at least, and shaken it and dumped it out on the ground. And now we're trying to put these pieces back together again, which is crazy. Yes, exactly. I love that. And, you know, when I got out of prison, I, I would say often, I wish people could experience what I experienced um, without the horrible pain of it so that they knew how little they actually need and how much power they actually have inside of them and how similar they are to every single other person on the planet. And it's kind of happening right now, just as you explained. Well, and and again, I, I don't know where you're lining, you know, where your faith is per se, but I don't know. I mean, I, to me, I think there's something out there you know, some may say God, some may say other things, but I myself would say God. But what if, and this is the craziest thought probably ever, a little off to, uh, off of our topic, so we'll, we'll get back on track here in a second. But, but what if, just for a second, somebody's trying to get our attention and trying to really get us to understand that people are important and people are valuable, and this is the only way they could get our attention is to, in a sense, try to lock us in our houses and lock us in our, you know, jobs and kind of confine us so we realize and we start to respect and start to really understand again, hey, people are important. Yeah, I've heard different things about that. 
I believe in God. I, um, I actually really uh, established a relationship with God in prison, which at first, I, when, when one of the gals said about God, I said, I am not finding Jesus in jail. That's, that's disgusting, <laughs> you know, because I thought that's horrible. But actually, she said, honey, this is where he has your undivided attention. And when she said that, that really resonated with me. And so um, I believe in God and I believe, I don't believe though that God does, does anything that would hurt us. I think that he would, that he uses everything for good so that because we're in this situation, we have this golden opportunity. Like this is, this is golden. This, this, what we're dealing with right now is magic. If we grab onto it, just like when I was in prison, it was, it was horrible. And I would never want anyone to do, to experience that, but it was my magic. And for some reason I was able to, um, to kind of work within that magic, like what's happening now, like you said, we are forced to stay home. I lost my job. We are forced to stay home. We're forced to get creative with our neighbors, go on. You know, it forces me. I've done more FaceTimes than I've ever done my whole life. This was last week. And learning how to do Zoom and older people learning how to do Zoom and really connecting on that deep level. And, you know, I think I think we're super lucky to have this time to do this. And um, it is, it is uncomfortable, even though I know how to do this probably more than anybody else, or really anyone that's been incarcerated knows how to do this. But um, it's still a little uncomfortable, because you have to sit with yourself and really face um, what, what, what you like, what you don't like, the choices that you've made, how you've used distraction to cover up things. And now all that's being slowly taken away and it's like to have compassion and empathy even for yourself and then move forward and being of service to other people I think this is yeah I, I don't know if God did it I just know that God will um, create um, the opportunity for us to just really catapult us into um, a whole other deeper level of living life, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm I'm not saying he did or didn't. I mean, that's yeah, that's way beyond my my pay grade, as, <laughs> as some would say. So I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I just again, I I love what you're saying there too. Resonates with me, of course. That yeah, you know, sometimes things just need to get our attention, whether it be yes. an earthquake, whether it be a death in our family, whether it be whatever the tragedy may be, cancer, whether it be an illness, uh, you know, whatever it may be, something needs yeah. to sometimes get our attention to then change our course of direction, which, which I think could be anything could be an injury could, you know, who knows what it could be. Definitely. Yeah. But, yeah. And that old quote, they say, die before you die, which is, you know, gosh, if someone has cancer, their whole, their whole perspective changes. And let's hope that they can beat that so that they're not learning these lessons and then dying. So that's kind of the opportunity that we have now. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. So on that, how do you define your identity throughout this whole process, like through your whole life? How would we sum that up for you? My identity I would um that's well I think in my first 50 years of life I had no idea I had no idea what my identity was I thought it didn't really matter because I thought my identity had to come out in a way that was pleasing to others and anyone around me that was loud like needed their needs met I would just acquiesce to that and so I didn't take responsibility for learning what my identity was but thank god since um i've been in prison and gotten out i feel like my identity is being um, a bridge i i'm i'm a bridge for different communities to um see that they're so similar and so alike and can really learn from each other so i'd say bridge <laughs> 
I love that. Being a bridge to perhaps bring people together in a, in a sense, like a catalyst almost. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things, because I grew up in Orange County, I had a house in Laguna Niguel. I had a wardrobe styling business for many years. It was really successful. So I've lived that kind of life. And I also lived a prisoner life in a maximum security prison with um, in a in an eight by ten cell with um, women that ha- that are in there for life, and women in their thirty years, twenty years, three years. So, I I I was deep into both of those lives, and when I was you know in, in Orange County, not in prison, we would look at a prisoner who did life as in a certain way, and then but as a prisoner. <laughs> then I would see, wow, there is so much similarity. And it really just boils down to the basics of people just wanting to feel loved and um, needed and valuable. And um, really underneath all that in prison is people with shame and trauma. And so the people outside like in, that have things have shame and trauma that they cover it up, either with money or things. And so when all that stripped away, we're all the same. So because I've lived in both worlds, I'm, I feel like I have a, a job to kind of bridge both worlds, to say we're the same. There's no difference. So stop pretending and you in prison, stop acting like you're lower than everybody else because you're not. Wow. Does that make sense? No, I think it does. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for mm-hmm. that. That was some good nuggets there for sure. <laughs> so you you talk about your life in Orange County, um, you know, being in the in the fashion um, wardrobe stuff that you were doing, and then the prison mm-hmm. life, right? So what yeah. what has been the greatest cost to your life? Now it could be a financial cost. It could be you know I I don't know, but but when you hear that, what has been the greatest cost to your life? Um, I lost everything. I lost my home that I've been in for 20 years. I lost my car. I came out of prison with nothing, zero, like not even a dollar. And so, um, the cost was not learning who I was, not stepping into my, to who God made, who Christy was leaving, letting, um, that question go. Um, cost me dearly and um, not asking for help with addiction cost me dearly to where, like I said, I lost everything. So the cost was, is, was super great. And um, uh, I've been building back up in a deeper and more happy way, but that's part of the bridge that I want people that haven't lost yet you know how important it is for them to find themselves. I would imagine there's been a lot of regrets even along the way, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It makes me, it makes me um, sad still. Yes. Any, any major regrets that you have? I know we probably shouldn't live in regret, but you know, I mean, it happens. We can look back and say, man, if I would have done whatever. Yeah. I think the biggest one is to, is, The biggest one would be knowing that um, to not being okay with being human and failing, not knowing that failing is okay and asking for help is okay. In fact, that's where the power is. I, I thought the opposite. I thought I needed to be strong and I can't ask for help. I can help you, but me needing help meant that something was wrong with me and I wasn't good enough. And so that's a big fat lie. And because I believe that lie, I lost a lot. I lost time. I lost, I lost, uh, I lost everything. But then on the flip side, emotion wise and um, heart wise, I gained all that. But I think that same, that same gift would have been available to me um, if I would have accepted it which was knowing that it's okay to fail and it's okay to ask for help. I think that's the struggle, right? We all know we need help sometimes. We all know we are struggling on some level and we're like, "Mm, I can figure it out. 
I'm a I'm a stronger person. I got this. I I can do it. I, you know, it, it's almost like that toddler learning to walk, right? Like yeah. Like I got it. Don't 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 need to hold my hand. I know to look, you know, both ways before I cross the street. But what yes. you're saying is is that we should not be afraid to ask for help. Is what I'm hearing you say. No, uh-uh. It's in fact, I don't know why we feel this way, um, but it's the opposite is true. Because since I've gotten out, at first well, I wasn't going to tell anybody because that would be super embarrassing. And why would I tell anybody that I was in prison? But then I realized when I would talk about it a little bit, people would talk about when I would just mention it, you know, because I feel like I had to have full disclosure, um, which was hard to do people reacted in a way that was loving, which allowed me to continue to share a little bit. And then they told me their secrets. And then this whole big, honest fest went on. And so um, I think when we say I'm afraid, or I need help, which I've been doing since I got out, I say I'm afraid, I do it anyway, but I say I'm afraid which is so freeing. And that's how we all feel anyway. And then it gives the people around us the, the okayness to say, Hey, I'm afraid too. I'll say, good. We're both afraid. Now let's go do it. And that's, that's the, that's the cool part. I love that the most. And I wish I would have known that before. Is there anything you'd go back and change? Oh yeah. I would change a lot. I would, I would believe in myself. I would believe in the power that I have. That's kind of my word for some reason this, this year is power. Like it, it, I, I, it was first like kind of rest to take God's like, okay, just rest. And then the other next year was like, keep going, keep going, doing what you're doing. And then this year it feels power. Like, like we are powerful. And I wish I would have not dimmed my light and known and let and unleash the power that I had within me for good, then I feel like we could all set the world on fire. So yeah, that's my regret that I was, that I lived small and uh, lived small and um, more quiet. Okay. So I'm curious because this is not a word that I hear really in a lot of uh, I haven't heard in too many circles. So where does mm-hmm. this idea and this vision of Waymaker come from? Where, where, where does that come from? Where does that, how did you come up with that? Where did you see that? It actually was my friend, Lindsay McPhail. Um, I met her after I got out and I heard her speak and I was like, oh, I need to know this girl. I love everything she says. And so she's kind of been my person when I got out that um, I just had met her and she really believed in me. And she said, you're, you're a way maker. You, you make, you make a way for other people to be honest because when, when I get dressed up as a wardrobe stylist and I speak in front of some, in, in front of women, they don't expect me to say I was in, I had a five year prison sentence. So everyone's still trying to like look good and act a certain way. So because I throw that out there and, and claim my truth, then it allows other people to tiptoe into their, into their truth. So I love making a way for other people to be real and honest because that's where, that's where the, that's where life really is. Now, I know you mentioned on Danielle's show that there was a book in progress. Has the book come out yet? I tried to look and see, but I, I no, no, it, it's 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 actually going to the agent this week. So um, we're going to see what happens with that. But yeah, it's it's going to an agent this week, and they're and they've already said they're interested. So um, we're in that process right now. Okay, so we'll tease that. The book could be okay. the the book could be soon, right? So that's exciting. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious of this too, because I'm a big I try to be, let me be honest. <laughs> I try to be a really good encourager, but sometimes <laughs> it's really hard, right? It's really hard to always be positive. It's really hard to always see, you know, the sun amongst the rain. You know what I mean? It's always hard to to be that voice of 
of bringing life rather than bringing death, right? It's really hard right. to do that sometimes. So how can someone learn to be an encourager, do you think? Well, I think the difference of always being the light is one you know, uh one of the great things is to sit with someone and be in their pain with them and say, yeah, this sucks. This is hard and this sucks, but it's not going to last. It's temporary and you're learning lessons from it and we're moving forward. So it's not always being the bright light. It's always being the person that sits next to you, listens and says, okay, when you're ready to get up and kick some butt, let's go. I will do it with you. That's so great. And to be that voice in somebody's ear, to be, you know, kind of that cheerleader on the sidelines saying, hey, you got this, you know, kind of that, you know, you know, being the little engine that could come on, you can get up this hill, you can do this. Yeah, I think that is a key that we are missing. Why do you think we're missing that so much in our society? Well, because I think we're not we're not used to saying like, yeah, this just is a big fat drag. (laughs) This isn't fun. And this is hard because we're used to, Oh, we have to be the happy one or we have to, um, you know, not look at the hard and the tough and the failures. That's been a new thing for me is learning that failing and hard and tough is normal. (laughs) Like, I didn't know that before. I don't know why I didn't know that, but I did, or I guess I didn't accept it as part of my everyday. I thought it should only be good and, and, um, achieving and striving, but just sitting in the crap for a little while and being, this is really hard. I love when people say that to me, like, yeah, this is hard, but you know what? It's going to be great soon. So that gave me permission to, to just sit. In, in in the place that I'm at instead of like, oh, wait, I can't be here. I can't be complaining or I can't be sad Beca- because then you're not never feeling it. But it's nice to say, yeah, you can be sad and I would be sad too. So let's be sad together. And when you're not wanting to do that anymore, let's go. <laughs> that's a big deal, I think. Well, and I think that's the key too, right? Is so many times we sit in it, we waller in it, we just stay in it. And it's just this <laughs> constant... You know, I mean, you talk about California. I grew up in Southern California, and so we would boogie board every now and then. And, yeah. And and I loved the boogie boarding. And in fact, my wife and I got a chance to go to Hawaii, and I intentionally did this in Hawaii. We would we would I would get in the waves, and I would let the wave wash me. You know, just kind of uh, just throw me around all over the place, just randomly wherever it wanted to send me, and I would just let go. And I know that sounds wacky and crazy and people are no, like, no, I love about? it. But I love that. Like, if you know that feeling, that is such an amazing feeling, right? Is this washing <laughs> idea and this just, you know, refining idea. But I think sometimes, and again, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I think sometimes we, we get in that depression or we get in that, you know, sense of anxiety and we just can't get out of it. We're just in this cycle, like that wash wave, like I was talking about, and we can't get out of it. What do you think people should try to do to get out of it? I, um, it, I would reach out to somebody that, that you trust and just say, hey, I'm in this cycle <laughs> and I can't get out. And then, um, you know, let them interact with them and kind of talk about it because it's really a shift of perspective. So sometimes if you talk to someone that you trust um, that, that is going to be an encourager, um, that's going to listen, then they can help you shift that perspective of saying, yeah, you know, this, or help you kind of pour into you about the things that are possible once you're out of that state or once you are sick of being in that state because pain's a, motiv- pain's a great motivator. So when you're in, in enough pain, then it's like, all right, I got to do something different and know who who your people are to help you with that and to ask for help, ask to do, ask for help. We are not meant to do things alone, period, point blank. So I know you mentioned, um, you know, during Danielle's uh, podcast, the happiness and progress that, you know, you were always in, when you were in prison, you were with different ladies and you weren't sure, you know, who was in for what or, or what, I mean, was there any point in that time where you talk about being in the pain that you kind of had to like look around and go, okay, 
how am I going to get out of this pain that I'm in right now? How am I going to get out of this, you know, kind of sadness? And did you find that in prison or did you find that more out of prison? Oh, I found that in prison. I had to find it in prison because I did, you know, over 1,500 days. And that's a long time to be miserable. And so, yeah, I found it in prison. And I basically, um, I basically talked to God a lot. Like, help me change my perspective. Help me um, be strong. Help me be the light in someone's life. You know, you make 12 cents an hour, so you don't feel like you're really accomplishing a lot. Um, I learned um, how to run. I I ran around the track, which gave me lots of time to listen to gospel music and R&B, all different kinds of music, and um, talk to God. And really, and a lot of times when I say talk to God, I feel like God's inside me, so it's really pouring into myself, like the best possible Christie and the whole planet, that's God. And so it's like, okay, what are we going to do here? And just changing perspective of being of service, giving, giving somebody an orange, putting an orange on their bed was like the biggest kindness of love you can give another um, inmate or, um, you know, making them a card or saying hello or saying, Hey, how are you doing today? When they look at you like, uh, what's wrong with you? But you, you do that enough times, then they can't help but smile for that. And just getting out of yourself and saying, okay, what am I supposed to learn here? Let me get out of myself and just do what I can to pour into myself. Yeah, because, I again, I think that's the key to life, really. Yeah. And, and I think so many times we don't want to go up the hill. We don't want to go up whatever. We don't want to jump over that hurdle. We don't, we don't want to. And I'm not saying I'm the greatest at this because by no means I'm not, but, but I wonder why so many times we, again, just continue to just sit and sulk and, you know, wallow in our sadness. I, I don't know why. I think it's because we don't realize the power that we have within us. And when people go through some hard things, like for, for someone to say to me that you'll be in prison for four years, you'll be in prison in Oklahoma, in Texas, in Rhode Island, in Connecticut, Las Vegas, I would think there is no possible way I will be able to do that. I mean, that's humanly, I won't be able to do that. And then you do it and you realize, wow, I have, I, I can do a lot. And so then like, if you go back to the curiosity factor, it makes you realize what else do I have inside me? So it made me realize, um, Hey, maybe I could go back to school. And so I went back to college and I'm graduating in June, but my first test in math that I hadn't taken in 30 years, I was so afraid. I was afraid to walk into Rogue Community College. <laughs> I'm like, oh, because you feel less than when you first get out of prison, you, you feel fear, but you do it anyway. And so when you keep achieving and then you say to your friends, oh my gosh, I have this math test and I'm so afraid. I'm not going to, I'm afraid I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do well. And then you get an A and you're like, crying and I could not wait to tell my friends on the phone I got an A like and they were so happy for me we we're all like crying because we're, it's we're all joyful for each other and they knew it was just pure heart like wow I could do it and then they go do stuff and I'm like cheering them on just like it's me and then when you share your fear and then you share your joy and you share your stuff that you're doing instead of keeping quiet about it, then other people get inspired. All right, I'm going to do it. And so when I say to someone, hey, we don't have time to be small. Are you going to school? Are you going to run a mile? Are you going to do this? Are you going to open a business? I'm here. Let's do it. We all need someone. to. We all need someone to cheer us on like that. And if you don't have anyone in your life that's doing that with you, then that means you're not sharing. You're not sharing your fear. You're not sharing who you are. And um, I, I recommend starting that. And the, the, the people will appear for sure if they're not already in your life. 
So I've heard it said that sometimes people don't want to share because they're so afraid of rejection. And the yeah. fear of rejection is what has them paralyzed because they think, what value do I have to bring to this conversation? What value do I have to bring to this friendship? What value do I have to bring to whatever it may be? What would yeah. you say to that? Well, that's how I ended up in prison. Pretty much. That's exactly, that took me all the way down because I kept thinking, oh, I really don't have much to share with this. I mean, in my business and stuff, but in, in conflict, other people in my life um, that I didn't agree with, that maybe I loved, but I, um, I didn't share my feelings. I was not very comfortable with emotions, which I, I'm more comfortable now, but I didn't share any of that because of rejection. That's exactly it, which took me all the way to prison. So uh, I would say that really, to, to be honest, if you feel that way, it's mainly because you're pretty judgmental yourself. Wow. We're just going to let that sit on the table. That's awesome. I love that. No, but I think you're right on with what you're saying because, again, I think if for whatever reason you think you can't bring value to a conversation. Now, let me be honest with you. If I go talk to a car mechanic, I'm probably not going to bring a lot of value to that car conversation. <laughs> I'm not into cars, right? But I can still be kind to that person. I can still say, Hey, you're into cars, but I'm into this. You know, we can still have a dialogue of a conversation going back and forth. That's respectful. And I, and I think that's what we need to remember at least again. That's yeah. And yeah. And um, you can still ask questions and not feel stupid. Like sometimes we don't want to ask questions because we're not a mechanic and we'll feel stupid, but that actually empowers them. If you say, Hey, what about this? Or, Hey, what do you think about this? That engages a dialogue rather than not, not engaging in that. So yeah, you know, they say that, um, humility is not, not thinking of yourself. It's not, Oh, let's see. What's that phrase they say? Humility is not thinking so much of yourself. So when you're with a mechanic, maybe not think so much about what we do know or don't know, but, um, look at them and, and kind of pour into them a little bit. If you, if you're in that space to do that, Hey, how long have you been doing this? Hey, and that just creates connection and relationship. For sure. So, um, I, I came across this quote and, and I, I really, uh, I'm a quote guy. I really love quotes. So, but I kind of, kind of made it more of a question. So why should we love others without an agenda? Because that's what we were born to do. We were we were born for connection. We were born for community. We were born for love. And how dare you? Um, how dare we uh, have an agenda to anybody else? Because they're their own person walking in their own shoes. And the only thing we really could do is learn from them, learn from, from from each other. Sometimes you learn goodness. Sometimes you learn maybe not what stuff you don't want to do. There's just um, there's just a goodness in loving and connection, and I think that's what we're made to do. We're born for that. I love that a lot. I want to uh, jump back into the the prison time frame if we can for just a second. Sure. What was the greatest lesson you learned during that process? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So many lessons. Um, wow. There's so many. Let's see. The greatest lesson. Hmm. To trust myself and to learn about others that's i'm sure that that's the two that 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 are off the top of my head sure so when you say trust yourself what do you mean by that i mean that um how i feel is okay what i believe is okay what my gut instinct 
says, I should listen to it, kind of step into my own power, my own, my own belief. And then maybe this is a given, but maybe not. How, how did you learn about trusting others in prison? I mean, what, what thought process is there? Well, I don't say trust others in prison. I would say learn about others. Because, oh, yes, you did say learn. Yeah. <laughs> Not trust others. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say learn about others because, you know, the real fun thing, and I just experienced this last night on my Instagram, I have a plethora of different people on my Instagram. I have my pastor, and I have my mother, and I have my person I was in prison with for a long time, and the kind of juxtaposition of the things that they post it I I always go to bed feeling so like I have such a rich life <laughs> you know like certain things one would say the other wouldn't and they're different backgrounds and different um, viewpoints but I feel like I'm in the middle of all of it and I in it it brings so much richness so much so that I don't have room to judge anybody because I see where everybody's coming from and I just love them and pour into them and it feel, I feel in, 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 I would have never experienced this, but I feel super grateful and blessed that I have um, so much richness from so many different cultures that I would have never got. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. And I can't judge anybody now because now I just want to know, like, what's, how are they doing? What's their story? There's no room for judgment at all if I immerse myself into other people's stories. That's great. That's, that's really, I think that's really what it's all about, is really getting yeah, into and then, someone else's story, for sure. It, exactly. And then you know what that does? That, that, that gives me a little more freedom to tell my story because I think, you know what? I'm not going to judge and I've had a lot of people not judge me. So if I say something and you judge me, then you're not my person and you still have a lot of work to do. I love you, but I'm not going to be quiet because you're judging me. And sometimes I fall into that. Like, Oh my gosh, if I'm speaking somewhere and I look at someone's face and they're looking at me like I'm crazy, I feel a little funny, you know, it's uncomfortable. And then I have to just kind of remember what I just said about maybe they're not there yet. You know, and I wasn't there yet for 50 years. So how dare I expect everyone to be that way too now, you know? That is definitely a great position to have for sure. Because I, again, I, I think so many times we, I don't know, I, I think we just prejudge. We, we look at somebody's outside appearance or we look at somebody's or we hear somebody's story and we're like, wow, that's, I don't know about that. You know, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so hard not to do. And so it's great that you're kind of at that place of and maybe not there yet from the sound of it, but getting your way there, uh, really yeah. seeing people for who they are, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a richness of life. I mean, if you believe in God and God made everybody, you know, it's like uh, it's, it's curiosity to say, let me instead of wondering, why do they do that? Or why do they post that? Or why do they? Yeah, it's it's. It's uh, it's been really eye-opening and really a rich experience. So how has forgiveness played a role in your story? Forgiveness of myself or others or? Yeah, I mean, just in general, just how has forgiveness played a role in your story? Um, wow. It makes me emotional. Um, are we not allowed to get emotional? <laughs> oh, no, we are. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning that that's okay. Um, it's not a good show, know, my wife says, unless someone cries. And I'm just kidding. Oh, she great. <laughs> she always gives it me is, a bad time about making people cry. So my intention uh, was not to do that, but she's a sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's good to cry. I know. Um, you know, been challenging to forgive myself because I hurt people. I hurt my family. I was selfish in addiction. Um, and I lost a lot. Um, 
in writing my book, I kind of relive everything. I was just writing summaries for the um, agents, and I think, wow, to have my mom sit there at my sentencing was horrific. It was terrible. And, um, but since then, we've done a lot of healing, and I've been um, really honest with her about how I'm living life now, and I'm watching my whole family change and people around me change. And I have to kind of look at that for um, so that I'm easier on myself about forgiving myself. Um, it's not looking at the regrets. Um, acknowledging it and say, wow, that was, you know, I think, wow, what could I have done back then if I have all of this information and this wisdom and this life? But I can't, I know I can't do that. We're not supposed to look back and regret the past, but I'm supposed to look at it and learn from it and be gentle with myself. And um, like I said, I can't judge somebody else if when I look at all the years that I lived. And so, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a moment by moment basis of forgiving myself. And, um, it's easier for me to forgive others than it is myself. That's, that's more challenging. First off, thanks for sharing that. I know it was probably hard, hard to share. Oh, that's okay. Uh, I went through, uh, anger management, um, uh, Overcoming Emotions is the name of the class our church put it on. Uh, Chip Ingram from Living on the Edge uh, does mm-hmm. a class, and it's it's pretty good. It's actually I bet it's not just pretty good. It's 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 amazing. But in I that bet. in that they talk about you know where anger comes from, secondary emotion, all this stuff. Yeah. And so some of the things that they do is if you've been angry or had anger outbursts, and you have to kind of go back and you know seek you know, forgiveness from people. And so we concluded the class last night. And so uh, all the men were Zooming because, you know, that's where we are right now. We're all Zooming together. And so (laughs) one of the questions I asked as we were getting ready to leave is I said, who is the hardest person for you to forgive? And it was stunned silence. I don't know if it was just the connection or if it was just quiet. No, I guarantee I guarantee it wasn't the connection. <laughs> and and so I said the hardest person that I have to forgive is somebody I'm in a relationship with. Mm. You know, I can easily forgive kind of the guy going down the road. You know, it's that, you know, that cuts me off. I can easily be like, ah, you know, and be mad at him and I'm done with it and yeah. move on. Right. But if I'm in a relationship with someone like my wife, my daughter, my mom, my sisters, my my brother, my dad, whoever. Yeah. I think those are the hardest people to forgive or to go and ask forgiveness for, right? Like, oh, hey, yeah. I messed up. I need to get your forgiveness on this because it's because you, again, you have that relationship with them. You've let them down. You've, you've, you know, somehow, you know, put a divide between you and them and this, you know, relationship that you have. So there was a word I, I found redeem. What does that word mean to you? Oh, a redeem uh, means working towards working towards your best self. Okay. I think when you forgive and ask for forgiveness, it's very vulnerable and very exposed. You're really which we spend all of our time covering so that we're not exposed. And then redeem means you are working towards your best, highest self. I like it. So uh, last question, then we're going to play a game, okay? So it's okay. we'll, we'll end the show on something more fun uh, with our game. <laughs> but um, when I was writing my questions last night, uh, which I typically do because I, I get inspired, right? I just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I get inspired, I just keep writing. And so here we are. So our last question, okay. and then we'll play our game. Okay. What does freedom mean to you? Precious. Abundant. And Beautiful. 
Is it something you don't take for granted? I don't take it for granted at all. I, I acknowledge it every single morning when I can open my window, when I can open the refrigerator, when I can walk outside, when I can open my closet, when I can turn on the heater, when I can put on my sneakers to go running. I mean, freedom hits me in the face about every five minutes throughout my whole day. That to me is, I think, a perspective that not everyone has because I think we take for granted the things that we do have. And I think, you know, I know I've been guilty of that too many times to count that when something's gone or when something's not uh, available anymore or whatever, I kind of take for granted of the fact that I had that, had that moment or I had that whatever um, people, you know, is a big one for me. When someone passes, I grew up in a church that, uh, it was a pretty older congregation. So now through the last, we'll say 12 or so years, um, people have been dying from that church, that congregation through, you know, whatever means cancer, old age, whatever it may be. Heart right. attacks. And every time I go to those funerals and I, I, I make it a purpose to go to them, Every time I go, why, and the question I always ask myself is, why didn't I spend more time with that person? Why didn't I reach out to them more? Why didn't I call them more? Why didn't I, why didn't I, why didn't I? Mm-hmm. How do we get out of that? That's my last question. How do we get out of this mindset of I should have, I could have, why didn't I, this this cycle that, that we seem to get, that I seem to get stuck in? I think we think about ourselves way too much. I think if we if we thought outside of ourselves, we would not do that. If we thought about family, if we thought about, you know, clients, if we thought about friendships, if we think about ourselves so much, <laughs> we think about ourselves in relationships or in our house or with our kids, or it's, um, we think of ourselves way too much. So if we, if we were curious, back to that word, about others um, and get out of ourselves and be of service, then we will not have those regrets and we will have a richer life. I like it. I really do. Uh, Christy, mm-hmm. thanks so much for coming on with us. Uh, so we're going to play our game here. It's a game uh, we like to call senseless. So just to kind of describe the game for you, because, you know, we're we're doing our social distancing. We we, we wanted to meet face to face because we do like to do uh, interviews face to face most of the time. But um, but, you know, due to the, the social distancing, we're 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 abiding by our governor's wishes. So here we are. So our game's <laughs> senseless is uh, involving the five senses. You probably know those. And then the sixth is a wild card. So I'm going to roll on your behalf because, again, you're not here. So here we go. Ooh, I was hoping you were going to get this one. It's almost like it's meant to be. Uh, You got a number six, which number six is the wild card. So here we go. You get dinner with one person, dead or alive. Who is it with? And where do you go? Hmm. So you're going to make me cry. I would say my my father, he's. He's passed away. Um, we would go to Italian. And we would talk. What would what would be one of your questions you'd talk to him about? Or what would you talk to him about? Well, I know he said he was going to ask God when he died. Why it's backwards? Why do people... Why do you have to make all these super important decisions when you are young and stupid? And then when you're older and wise, all these decisions have been made. So I'd like to know if he got that answer. And I'd like to just talk to him about God and, and, how, um, and how my view of, of, of him has changed and how um, and, and just kind of learn what he's learned and just Say I'm sorry. Did you not have an opportunity to talk to him before he passed? I did, but um, 
I did, and I and I was there with him sober. I just um, I feel like I've I've grown so much into myself that um, I'd like to have an updated relationship with him. He was an amazing father. He loved me to death. I loved him to death. It was. Uh, I just feel like I'm so much more wise, and and I'd like to have a relationship with him on that level. Boy, that was deeper than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, you said cry. You've done it three times, so you've done your job well. I've done my job. Check, check. Uh, your wife will be happy. <laughs> maybe. No, she'll probably punch me because, you know, I made you cry. But uh, we, okay. I have an executive producer. His name's Garrett, and Garrett's not joining us today either. But um, Garrett always gives me a bad time, too. He's like, how do you make people cry? I'm like, <laughs> Garrett, I, I don't try uh, to. I don't, like, set out going, okay, this is going to make them cry. Let's ask this. Nah, so don't do that. That just means people feel safe and are speaking genuinely. So that's, that's a good thing. Well, thank you. That's awesome. So I know you're writing some blogs too, right? Are you doing that? Did we miss that kind of in the intro? Well, I I have a website, christylashobird.com, and that's just, um, I have book excerpts in there. And really, I've just been processing stuff since I've gotten out of prison and um, talking about other women in prison and having, um, having the opportunity for other people out here to write some of the women um that that really don't have people and pour into them and learn about each other which is so cool i have a lot of women out here that are writing the women that i was in there with which i love so much because the women out here can then kind of tell their secrets (laughs) and then the women in there think wow there's someone out there that cares about me and i'm not a piece of crap so that's that's kind of um, I like doing inside out of that of women in and women out. So that's kind of my my thing. So yeah, all sorts of all sorts of fun things. We will definitely link that in our show notes so people can go read those, take a look at those. Okay. I, know I read through a lot of those last night, and uh, great work that you're doing. Not only Thank you. being an encourager, obviously, but trying to remind those ladies that are in a very bad place in a yeah. tough situation in a very dark place to still yeah. bring the light. And I and yeah. I loved I loved your story about um you know putting a, a orange on someone's bed. You know, I I think about bringing them some vitamin C, some some nourishment, some you know everything that comes with that, the fruit of the spirit, you know, and I know it's not fruits of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit, you know. Oh and, yeah. And so that's awesome. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, and and just because fruit was so precious like you would get a banana once a week or maybe an orange once a week so that orange is is golden (laughs) you know it's not like you get several a day so if someone gives you their orange maybe they want to trade for a honey bun (laughs) but it's like oh man they love me they're giving me their orange so yeah it's a it was a symbol of love kind of (laughs) That's awesome. No, I love that so much. So, uh, yeah. but uh, I'm going to close out our show right now. So, guys, just remember this as we say so often remember when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Of course, I want to thank our guest, Christy. Guys, go out in your own way, in a, your own unique way, and really try hard. I know you can be creative. There's a bunch of you out there that are so creative, more creative than I am. And that's saying something because I think I'm pretty creative. Just kidding. I'm not. (laughs) But go out and find a way to love someone today and do that in a very genuine way. Until next week, hope you'll invite yourself back here because I'm inviting you back here. So come on back next Wednesday as we try on Other People's Shoes. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes. Of course, you know, I'm your host, Neil Matthews. I want to say thank you again for joining us. And by the way, Christy's episode today was so amazing in so many respects. I love the fact in the episode she talks about being a way maker, finding a way for other people to be real and honest and vulnerable. I think we need more people in the world like that today. And I'm, I'm privileged to sit with her and let her share her story. Speaking of privileges, 
We got a privilege to sit with a gentleman next week that you're not going to want to miss. Here's a little sneak preview of next week's show. Uh, I used to be a filmmaker. I used to work in Hollywood. Um, I, I have a podcast that I think is really pretty great. And I have every day I get humbled and have to go back to this bus barn and drive a school bus. And uh, it's one thing to be good with one or two kids. It's a whole different thing to be great with 60 kids that you can't see and you're 40 feet away from <laughs> uh, and you're responsible for and you're driving a large vehicle in narrow streets. Uh, it's, it's hard to do that. And um, uh, and the, the realization I've come to. That, of course, will take place on Wednesday, next Wednesday to be specific. So if you'd like to hear more of that show or past, present, and future shows, you, of course, can do that at OPSpodcast.com. Great place to bookmark, great place to come back to each and every Wednesday. That, of course, is our website and a place you can visit. If you'd like to contribute financially to this show in any way, we, of course, have linked that in our show notes down below, and our PayPal information is there. We are a tax-deductible organizations. Of course, if you'd like to do that, we of course will send you out all that information. If you would like to contribute to be a guest, to be a gift to our show in any way, of course, you can send us a little bit of encouragement via text or via voicemail. And that can be done at 203-548-7463. That's 203-548-7463. And of course, like us, follow us, tweet us. That can all be done at OPS Podcast show that is what all three of our social medias have the name of so ops podcast show fun easy way to remember it and of course remember when you walk in other people's shoes you really do get a different perspective on life of course i want to invite you back next wednesday next week as we try on other people's shoes